It's December, which for a lot of people means Christmas is on the horizon. The present panic shopping has begun, the trees and the decorations are up, Mariah Carey and Michael Bublé are making their annual seasonal comeback, and in our living rooms, one very important tradition is about to take place. Watching Christmas movies. During the holidays, it's hard to escape the magic of these films. Whether it's the perils of Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, or the romantic adventures of Love Actually, the comfort of a Pixar movie, or the classic tales of a stolen Christmas, all of us have certain movies that we turn to at this time of year. For me, one of my Christmas movies, weirdly enough, is The Devil Wears Prada. It's been a holiday classic since I was nine years old and was spending the holidays at my great uncle's farm. It was after dinner, and we were all in the living room, me, my parents, my sisters, my aunt, my grandparents, my great uncle, my second cousins. The fire was on, and on TV was playing The Devil Wears Prada. We watched it for the first time that night, and unbeknownst to us, we were creating a little Christmas memory, enshrining the tales of high fashion and cerulean blue to a holiday memento. Over ten years later, the world looks a lot different than it did back then, not just because it's a new decade, but because 2020 has forced on us a new reality. There will be no grandparents coming around, no second cousins, no escaping to your great uncle's farm. But one thing remains the same. We still have these movies. It seems that no matter the circumstances, whether we're alone or with others, there are always these stories there for us, constructed from movies, music, TV. These are the stories that we return to over and over again. Somehow, this remains true, even in a year as insane and turbulent as 2020. Brought to you by Beaver Sound. I'm Judah. And I'm Luis. And you're listening to We Know the End. Chapter 4 Last week, we talked about the reignition of the Black Lives Matter movement that sparked over the summer and its emotional weight. Today, we remember the stories, be it movies, TV shows, or music, that we turn to in the chaos of this year. It goes without saying that the defining story of 2020 is the pandemic. So disastrously crafted, it could be some deranged horror, with absurdly written twists, characters none of us rooted for, and plot climaxes that were so implausibly unrealistic. Undeniably, COVID is the story, the first and last, of this strange year. But amidst that strangeness, of the uncertainty of our times, we found ourselves relying, like never before, on the stories that weren't the ones we were living in. As cinemas and the outside world shut all around us, we were forced to find entertainment on the screens of our homes. 
whether it was trashy reality TV, finally getting a front row seat to Hamilton, or having enough time to watch those classics that you kept telling yourself you'd eventually get to. We lived vicariously through the tales of others. And now, as the year comes to an end and we draw closer and closer to 2021, it might be worth taking a moment to pay ode to the stories that entertained us and got us through. Okay, first of all, I didn't finish any TV show because I would fall asleep in every freaking episode. Go, go, go. Prison Break? <laughs> Please, I don't want to I don't want to start crying on this podcast, but you don't understand that Prison Break kept me sane. Ozark season 3 came out. Outer Banks, New Girl, um Mad Men. We watched the entire nine seasons, I think, of the Mad Men. Was I revising? No, I was watching Prison Break. The Last Dance. I was watching Vikings as well. And The Office. I should have been studying my books, but I was studying Michael Schofield. Too Hot to Handle. Money Heist. Casa de Papel. Uh, the fourth season, I guess. And uh, just sort of random things on Netflix, really. A lot of it was Netflix. Anything that was on Netflix, everyone watched. I was blind. Um, Desperate Housewives to TV shows, because I just always watched it. This Is Us. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender. Shit's Creek. That's my show. Crazy ex-girlfriend. Feel good. Selling Sunset. Oh, there's, there's hella K-dramas. Hella. Oh, normal people as well. I May Destroy You. I May Destroy You. I May Destroy You. Oh, I, I May Destroy You was like, I think, the like probably the probably the best thing I've seen that came out this year. Yeah, the films. Um... At one point, we had this thing going on that each person would choose a movie and Everyone chose shit movies, except for me and someone else. 1917? 1917. Borat 2, have you seen it? I mean, there was a movie that we literally had to stop halfway because it was so shit. Um, Parasite, that was a good film as well, actually. I don't really want to watch Tenet, so... Tenet, um, so I watched it once, watched that again. Still confused. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow, I'm a big music person, so... Um, And in terms of music, I don't think there was anything specifically for me. I'll just listen to bangers. I've been liking the stuff. Beyonce has been hopping up. Uh, Beyonce, obviously. Julie's Black is King. Laura Marling album. Uh, Heim, Women in Music Part 3. As the World Caves In by Matt Maltese. Okay, take obviously. Arena Sawayama's album. And then I got really into like Bjork and Kate Bush again. Kate Bush was in there, Bjork was in there. Phoebe <laughs> Bridges. Um, Robin, obviously. I was listening to Honey every single day. Perfume Genius, that's, that was really good. I was into that this year. Obviously Fiona Apple. Fiona Apple, big time. Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple really got me through some tough times. <laughs> we found ourselves vicariously living through the lives of others. And as ours seemed to come to a halt, these became our lifelines. What else did I watch? Shit's Creek watch that that was so, i love shit's creek like shit's creek is a very like it gives very familiar homey feels to me like it's a safe show like i feel safe when i watch um when i watch shit's creek because it's just so warm and fuzzy i love it and it contrasted you know the state of the world and the uncertainty yeah actually there's there's one that like i i've I'm just obsessed with <laughs> and I have, I have been since lockdown um, is this song called As the World Caves In by Matt Maltese and like I don't know the way the, the song is probably the most like tragically sad song I've ever heard in my life and I, I listen to it like 
when I was, I think maybe we were a few weeks into lockdown. So like I was feeling really overwhelmed, like what is happening? What is this dystopia that we found ourselves in? And I listened to this one song and I just cried. Like it made me sob. I was like, oh my God, this relates so much to this situation. Um, but like I would recommend for like, I think it's one of those songs that every person on this earth should listen to. It's- um, but I also watched um, Feel Good um it's really really good um i think because like the whole um series just focuses on this one romantic relationship and obviously like you're bored in lockdown and you're single and by yourself and like you're going through hinge but like there's no reason to so it's really nice to just like live vicariously through someone else's relationship um and just feel a bit of like just be reminded what like closeness um and like intimacy felt like When we think back to some of the more bizarrely defining pop culture moments of this year, it becomes clear that escapism was more important than ever. We searched for something crazier than the deteriorating world around us, something that could make the mess of this year seem more sane in comparison. We found ourselves embracing the chaos, turning towards the absurdity and stepping into its light. And this light, apparently, was one of murder, mayhem, and madness. Um... Well, obviously Tiger Kings. I did watch Tiger King. I did. We obviously watched Tiger King. I feel like who didn't? It had to be Tiger King. I mean, that was the thing that I think everybody turned to. I think, um, like, I, I guess I loved it, I guess. <laughs> found it really weird and interesting, but really weird overall. You know, you try and explain it to someone and it's just so many layers. Just everything that came out of that documentary was just so unbelievably unbelievable. Like, uh, he had three husbands. Um, they were all straight. He just like lured them in with heroin or cocaine or something. Hilarious to me how that how that was all the real story. He fed his employees like expired raw meat that they were feeding to the tigers. I think I literally stopped on that episode. I was like, no. Like, he's literally brainwashed people. This is a cult. Uh, there was like a cult at some point. That's not even touching on Carol Baskin and whether or not she killed her husband. Because it was too, it was so insane, it counteracted the insanity of everything else. What is 2020? What is coronavirus? This is insane, but it's the perfect thing to watch to get escapism. But I think, you know what, we're in a ridiculous situation, so it makes sense to me why people got so attached and hung up on Tiger King, because, you know, it, it was so ridiculous that it kind of fit the times that we're in. Um, and Carol Baskin definitely killed her husband. The thing about Tiger King is that, you know, even though it did offer great escapism and it totally captured the insanity and chaos of 2020, I kind of hate myself for having watched it. It was so nasty. <laughs> that show was so... It, was it just was gross. like the worst of humanity just in one I wish show. I, I wish I could wash my eyes and souls of the problems of Joe Exotic. But one thing that did, that was escapism for me and that, that I don't regret uh, indulging in was Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bowl Cutters, which also captured the insanity of 2020. But like earlier in April, when we were all in lockdown, Fiona Apple released after an eight year hiatus, her fifth album called Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Praised as one of the best albums of the year, it was widely commented on for its timely exploration of confinement and self-isolation. In her own words, the message is clear. Fetch the fucking bolt cutters and get yourself out of the situation that you're in. 
That was a cathartic experience. The way that woman is the most chaotic thing to ever grace this planet. We had never heard of her before, but then she released this album earlier this year and everyone was talking about it. Everyone was calling it the best album of the year. And when we listened to it, we were like, what is this noise? What are these sounds? What is my ears listening to? Like, I wish we could play the music on the podcast but we can't because of copyright so i'm literally just gonna mimic it and i guarantee you it sounds a hundred percent like this it literally sounds like this and the thing is like i really think if it had been any other year if we had been in like any other situation other than lockdown and COVID, at least for myself, I don't know if I would have turned to this album as passionately as I did this mm-hmm. year, just because it captured like this idea that like it was filmed in her house and like it just had all of these like home sounds with her dogs barking in the background and it really just sounded like she was just banging on like pots and pans. I was like, yes, like this is lockdown. This is 2020. And it's almost like she had the foresight of this year. Like she knew exactly like what the world would need. And it's almost eerie. Like, cause obviously in reality, the album is just about like her and really important things and like her chaotic relationships and stuff. But it also felt like she was singing like for all of us, like in lockdown. Um, and it's just literally like such a good um, summary or encapsulation of 2020 and all of its madness. God bless vegetable cutters. Obviously, Fiona Apple was another big pop culture moment. I am a huge fan of Fiona Apple. Um, Fetch the Bolt Cutters really got me through. For about a month, it was like all me and my friends were listening to. It was also like a really perfect, perfectly timed to come out at that time period. Because it really channeled a lot of my like anger and frustration at the world in a really beautiful, if not, um, it, I don't want to say beautiful because the album isn't beautiful. It's it's disgusting and it's dirty and it's it's unclean um but there's so many gems that you find in it um you listen to the first song and there's lots of uh there's this massive bombardment of noise but i she's loud is the thing like i mean it's like recorded in her house like you can hear like dogs barking she's like banging on like bits of trash and things like that but i don't know like there's something kind of beautiful and poetic about this idea of like like we were all kind of stuck inside and it was very deep, this idea of like, fetch the bolt cutters, like, I've been in here too long, you know? And I felt that, you know? I really felt that. <laughs> I have been inside my house for too long. Uh... With the world at a standstill, we suddenly found ourselves with too much time on our hands. And as the days went by and the weeks blurred into one another, some of us took this opportunity to turn to the new. We finally had the time to check things off our movie bucket lists and explore new undiscovered classics. And I've been watching like a bunch of movies I wouldn't have really given a chance before. I was um, I watched some really great films, the like some films by the Coen Brothers. Um, I know I found myself like just like deliberately seeking things that you wouldn't normally get to do. This period of my life, I, I did find myself turning to music quite a bit, and really exploring different genres I didn't think I would initially sort of got more interested into Afro beats and West African music than I had before. So I guess for, for like a really long time we were watching Hitchcock films basically every night um, kind of getting through the entire back catalogue which was 
it was so amazing in lots of ways because so many are such classics and they're things that you always put on your film bucket list and always want to tick off but um we kind of got through <laughs> a lot of them which was kind of kind of gives you this weird sense of accomplishment right like once you watch a classic film that you've been meaning to watch for a really long time whereas some explored new endeavors others looked back and reconnected with the safety of familiar stories with past tales that tethered them to simpler times oh my god i watched this same five movies i watched harry potter it was so sick there'll be one week where i would watch harry potter four five six seven or all, all the way yeah, yeah all, all the way up to seven and then i would go back to number four the next week and then watch it again and then to be like diverse of my choice of movies i watched ratatouille but then i watched it two weeks later so i would just like recycling the same movies over and over again honestly i think it got to a point in like august or september that I just kind of lost all touch with reality and just watched uh, like the Hunk Games all the way through. But like, it was a dark period. Um, Rewatching a lot of shows that I have watched before. So Grey's Anatomy for me, I've watched before, but I love. And I think watching like High School Musical again and like Mamma Mia, um, I didn't, wasn't really looking for a lot of new content at this time. Um, I don't know what, there was just a lack of it out there, but I just, I was watching the classics, you know. Avatar The Last Airbender, which holds such a, a prominent place in my heart. I remember watching it as like an eight or 12 year old. I don't exactly remember which one, <laughs> but it just holds such a... a, a, a During lockdown, a, Avatar The Last Airbender, so a show that aired all the way back in 2005, so found a brand new second life when it was released on Netflix earlier in May. Somehow, this animated fantasy children's show set in a world with air-controlling monks and fire-breathing dictators broke a major Netflix record, appearing on its top 10 worldwide show list for 61 consecutive days. For a brief moment, it seemed like a lot of us had become children again. Um, there's nostalgia associated with it. Um, and so, with it coming back on Netflix and it becoming a part of um, you know, mainstream common media in our normal public discourse, I was like, you know what? It's time I treat myself and my inner child. And that's exactly what I did, so. <laughs> and as we sat comfortably on our couches, with a remote in one hand and our phones in the other, the world around us was changing. Cinemas, the place so many deemed as sanctuary for movies, shut down across the globe. Movies started being delayed, then postponed, entire concert tours cancelled, and what seemed like temporary measures became permanent realities. And although all industries were hit hard, we saw before our eyes creative industries crumble. Charlotte's a young musician and songwriting student from York, who tells us about the effects the pandemic has had on artists. Well, I'd say, like, generally speaking, to be honest, it's been really bad. <laughs> I had, I, I lost maybe about five or six hundred quid from like gigs that got like cancelled so that was that was one thing <laughs> uh, which wasn't great um but I know that a lot of other people had it worse um I think that you know it's definitely it's messed with a lot of people's plans um it's messed with a lot of people's creativity um like I said before like I was I was lucky that like within the first few months like I kind of found my creativity again was able to write again but um and some people have done more than that. Some people have like, you know, managed to like make 
make music like while still in lockdown and release it and everything like that um but yeah I also know some people that have just really really struggled to be creative throughout the whole thing without then only then having to worry about kind of if they if they release something they're not even going to be able to do a launch gig they're not even going to be able to go on a tour that they're, they're not going to be able to do anything with this um I also think though maybe a silver lining is that this this happening and and artists no longer being able to rely on their income from live music has has really called to attention how little artists see of streaming royalties we get like a really 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 small percentage of those um and yeah it's meant that a lot of independent artists have made the switch to Bandcamp which is really good I made that for those who don't know Bandcamp is a music platform where artists can sell their music while having full control of their profile it gives power back to the artists deciding how many times people stream it before they buy it and deciding the price of the music itself you can find Charlotte's EP Take Life Easy on Bandcamp as well as Spotify and Apple Music I do think that artists are, are like kind of taking a moment to think about um think about kind of how unfair aspects of the industry are and are now working to change that and I think that we could see a real a real change there like the UK government is investigating uh, like the fairness of royalty distribution at the minute which I think is, is really really positive and really exciting so I mean yeah there's 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 bad things but I think there's also there's also good in it as well Toby, a film production location scout, had his entire year booked up with various film projects. However, suddenly all of his plans were thrown out the window. He tells us how the film industry had the ground pulled out from under it, but like all industries, had no choice but to adapt. Um, so with COVID and stuff in the film industry, obviously the whole industry has shut down like most other industries. And now after COVID going into it and stuff like if you don't show on your risk assessments and your paperwork that you're doing everything to be safe, the film can't go ahead. There's so many things you have to do now. There's really a lot of things you have to do pre-COVID to make sure your production goes ahead. Health and safety, risk assessments. Now you've got the added sort of thing of COVID, you've got to do so much more to make sure that your production is safe. So we were getting tested twice a week, every week. But yeah, now in um, film production, TV productions, they now... To, to prevent more people like sort of coming together and to create more social distancing. There's a green zone, red zone and amber zone. Red zone is like actors, camera, people who need to be right on set. Then you have orange zone. So I work in locations, I'm in the orange zone. So it's like, you don't need to be on set. You can maybe for certain things, but try and stay away. And then you have green zone, which is people who shouldn't be anywhere near it. So that's what they're doing to sort of combat you know, the whole distancing and all that kind of stuff, which is a pretty cool idea. Um, it's also made life a little bit difficult in terms of like, for us working in locations. So now you have to do more space and you have to, everything has to double up now because you need to sort of distance everyone and all that kind of stuff. So it has made it a little bit more difficult in terms of that. But I mean, if it keeps everyone safe, then it keeps everyone safe, you know? And I think that it will be like that for quite a while. Toby also talks about the impact of streaming when faced with the reality of closing cinemas. But I mean, everything's online now. Films are released on Netflix, Amazon, all that. They're buying films out for exclusivity on their streaming sites. And now we're getting so many more streaming sites, HBO Max. So in terms of the film industry and stuff like that, I think productions can still go on. 
Um, but it's sad for cinemas. Um, I think they're saying Cineworld had closed down. Back in October, Cineworld, the world's second largest cinema operator, announced plans for a temporary closure of all of its US and UK cinemas following the delay of the newest James Bond movie. Cinemas, more than ever, have become reliant on the release of big blockbuster movies to attract moviegoers. But with recent developments like Warner Bros announcing all 17 of its movies for 2021 are to be released on HBO Max, we're left to wonder whether cinemas will survive. Because I personally love going to the cinema. It's just nice to just switch off, just go out of the house, switch off for two hours and just watch it in a dark room. Um, but obviously with all this stuff now and people sort of being fearful to go out and all that kind of stuff, it does it does suck. So for example, Tenet, Christopher Nolan, fair play credit to him, he sort of took a bigger risk releasing it. It didn't make what it would have made in the normal time because he kind of released it, you know, when it was a bit like the seatings of this, you can't, you can't fill up a cinema anymore. You know, it's limited seating, not as many people are going out, people are still locked down. So it's, it is tough, but I feel like we will get to a point where everything's just going to be online. Um, I don't know how they're going to do, but I think things are just keep on moving. We're going to find new ways to sort of get films out to people, that kind of stuff. Isn't it so strange to think that we started 2020 on such a cinematic high, like we had Parasite sweep the Oscars. Yeah, I love that movie. So good. And it was like the first foreign language film to win most of the categories that it won, and which was just insane. Um, And then I think it's Christopher Nolan that says 2019 is like regarded as the best year for cinema in terms of box office numbers and things like that. And so we just kind of were on this creative high, right? And then we find ourselves here (laughs) now. Um, The creative, I think, yeah, we really have seen the creative industries be hit really hard, especially mm -hmm. because they rely so much on consumer purchases like theaters and cinemas. Mm -hmm. And then, like, things are not made any better when you see how governments have reacted. Right. I don't know who decided to show up to the staff meeting and seriously propose that Fatima should retrain in cyber mm. ad campaign. Um, but that, that was not the one. That ballerina campaign was like, so bad. I remember looking at that and being like, you cannot be serious. Like, but it's Boris, so, like, they were serious. And especially when, during lockdown, so many of us relied on movies and television and, and TV shows and also... To just, you know, make time go by and, I don't know, like, survive. But also, like, we were expected to adopt new hobbies and be creative. Mm-hmm. But simultaneously, we're telling, we're being told that being creative isn't considered. Isn't, worth, isn't considered an essential um, workforce or, like, these are things that, like, should just be, like, thrown out and you should yeah. just go and retrain. Like, it's actually just ridiculous. Um, so here's hoping 2021 just has more respect for, for the, the arts. arts. Mm. So, I mean, usually I really like going to the cinema because I just like the atmosphere. Usually I go on my own anyway. Because no, when I ask people, they just delay. They're like, yeah, I'll come up oh, maybe next week. And I'm like, you know what? I will go watch it on my own. Um, but yeah, I do miss it in a sense that, like, <laughs> I wish I went. But it's fun because I've got, like, my laptop to watch stuff. And I don't mind. I, I'm so used to, like, laying down and watching stuff. But when I'm actually at the cinema and I can't lay down, I'm so confused. I'm like, why? Um, I did think about going like last week, but it just, it just doesn't really seem good, Um, which I feel really bad because like a lot of, I'm a really big fan and like supporter of like independent cinemas um, and like small cinemas and places like the BFI and things like that, um, which have taken like probably the biggest hit they've ever taken in their lives this year. And like already a lot of them over the UK are really being threatened with getting shut down. 
Um, but I mean, I just, I, I ultimately just don't feel comfortable enough going in. Um, and also there's not really enough, I mean, so much stuff is getting pushed back now. It's like, I don't really want to watch Tenet, so. But whether we go to big screen theatres to lose ourselves in films or simply turn to our screens at home, if cinemas close and all we have is the insanity of reality TV and the feel-good tales from our childhood, one thing becomes clear. Perhaps this year isn't defined so much by the stories we turn to, but rather how we turn to them and who we turn to them with. Stuck in the depths of isolation, pop culture not only helped us escape, but it helped us connect. This was the case for Ellie, who shares this with us. I would say, um, looking back on it now, like the kind of pop culture events events that I really connected with were just ones that I had like in common with people, like a common experience I had with people. So like Jamie Oliver, like I know for a lot of people that won't be like a big moment in quarantine, <laughs> uh, but he did like a specific like cooking TV show that he filmed like on his iPhone in his kitchen at home. Um, and that came out like every night. It would be like a new episode every night at like 6.30, which was just like a reason for me and my parents to be together that wasn't just like us sitting in silence essentially. It like gave us something to do together and something to talk about. Um, Grace, who spent part of her lockdown re-watching Hitchcock movies and listening to podcasts, connected with the only two people around her. Um, well, I mean, me and my, my parents kind of have this tradition of watching uh, lots of Hitchcock films whenever I come home. But yeah, so we watched lots of uh, Hitchcock, which was very, very nice. Um, and it's also a way that I can kind of connect to my dad as well, because he really loves them in particular. Big, big into podcasts. I listen to basically every day um, uh, this podcast called Table Manners, which is uh, Jessie Ware, who's a musician, and her mum basically just have people over for dinner in their kitchen and they just like talk and like talk about their life through food and things like that. Um, so that was also lovely and it was a mother and daughter as well and I would listen to it with my mum and it would kind of feel like we were all there together like talking about like matzo ball soup and like all different kinds of Jewish cuisine which I really really love. A mindless Netflix binge proved to be the beginning of something new for Isabella. Um, I also remember this program coming out on Netflix called Too Hot to Handle um, and me and my flatmate actually watched that and that's kind of, that was the start of our friendship, I think. Um, because we needed something crap to watch. You know, you need, sometimes you need like trash. You need to watch trash sometimes because I think the world was very serious at that time. And all we were doing was just watching the news, hearing about how many people were dying every day. And although we were all together and it was quite fun for us, it was still quite hard to hear about. In a lot of ways, it seems as though 2020 held up some sort of mirror, reflecting back at us the different ways we entertained ourselves and how these ways have swayed, changing and staying the same. And whether we indulge in the absurd to capture some of the absurdity of our own reality, or use movies to fall back through time, back to childhood, whether we constructed whole moments and memories crafted from the shared experience of movie nights or evening rituals, 2020 pop culture is one defined by comfort. Next week, we remember the heroes and villains of 2020.
Thanks for listening. We Know the End is presented, produced, and edited by us and brought to you by Beaver Sound. Intro music by Vagar Dreyer and outro music by Brooklyn Han. Logo designed by Ellie Reeves. Music contributions from Free Music Archive, featuring Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. A special thanks to Adomo Ado, Alice Norga, Alia Mormon, Charlotte Lynch, Dylan Stevens, Ellie Reeves, Felipe Campos Ferreira, Grace Chapman, Isabella Abbott, Lucy Knight, Mayen Chow, Shemilore Alujimi, Susan Odele, and Toby Abraham Silas for sharing their lovely stories. Thank you.